Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a guru on relationship building, a reader of energy, a man who cares, supports, and builds the best versions of you. He's an author, a life coach, a fellow podcaster, a father. Ladies and gentlemen, The Voice, the speakers with the formula for life success. He has all the formulas, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. John Hewlin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. I hope I can live up to that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You already did live up to the introduction. That's why we had it to write <laughs> down. You already did the work that required for that. All right. So yes. Pretty yes. Easy. How you doing today, man? Oh, man, I am fantastic. So glad to be here, ready to help serve your tribe. Hey, absolutely. Our tribe, the men tribe, right? Our tribe. Our tribe. <laughs> You're going to drop these gems today and hope we can help some people with our experiences today. That's right. That's right. That is definitely the goal. All right, here you go. You ready to answer these questions? I'm ready. Fire away. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? Wow. Does it have to be limited to one? No. you Because <laughs> it's not. I can tell you that for sure. Let's talk oh, about it. Who who you feel okay. defined you? What person or place, Gosh. person, place, a thing? It could be more than one. Let's get okay. into it. All right. Well, it's 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 multi-layered. So and there's there's definitely some overlap with situations and people and that sort of thing. Right. But let me start with this. Probably the biggest event that has helped determine who I am today is something that started out bad. And I'll be honest with you, it came from a place of pain. It was my divorce. Mm. Uh, I, I was my divorce was finalized April 1st, 2010. And for those of you who are watching or listening, you heard me right. It was April Fool's Day in 2010 mm -hmm. when that happened. So I'm not making that up. It really did happen that day. Um, so definitely started with a place of pain, but I have to be honest with you and tell you that had that not happened, I don't know that I would have dug so deep and attempted to learn so much about relationships in general, but specifically things I did wrong. I was very introspective. I looked deep into me. It's like, what have I been doing wrong? How do I need to get better? You know, people talk about becoming the best versions of themselves. And I don't even think that goes far enough. I think, um, and, and I'm only speaking for me, uh, I believe that God created us for a purpose, each and every one of us. And my job is to discover what that purpose is and to become that man. That's my job. And so my time during my introspection, my diving deep, my working through my pain is what has helped me learn the things that I have and become the person that I am today. That's the one big event that happened that created that. Now, the people along the way, oh my goodness, there have been so many. Um, let's see, when it comes to business, the very first person that comes to mind is my former father-in-law. He taught me more about what it means to be a businessman with integrity and doing things the right way than anybody else I've ever met. By far, I give him complete credit. He's heard me say that multiple times. So, uh, and he still, I still have a very good relationship with him and his wife, uh, who are my my children's grandparents. 
Oh, let's see who else. My gosh. I mean, I feel like if I go down that list of all the people, I'm going to forget somebody and somebody get their feelings hurt. And I certainly don't want to do that. Um, I can't tell you, let me tell you about some of the coaches that I've had, because that is, that has been huge in my development as a person and in business are the various coaches that I've had. Um, my author coach, Kerry Oberbrunner has been very helpful. He's helped me also on some business things as well. Um, Nick Cavuto is a, is a coach that I have right now, who is an amazing guy. He takes business and he helps, he helps me understand how to, how to simplify and how to have the broadest it sounds weird to say this, but a broad yet targeted reach. Mm. It's just, and it's about being being real and open and honest. And it's all about business for me is about relationships. And it, some of the listeners may feel like I'm kind of jumping back and forth and I'm not trying to do that. It's just for me as an entrepreneur for over 20 years and having started over seven businesses myself from scratch, your businesses are your baby. So they feel like family to you. Mm. And so making sure that you're handling those the best way possible is important. And so the more you learn about relationships, the better you get at them, no matter what kind of relationships those happen to be. It could be with a spouse. It could be with a friend. It could be with your children. It could be with business partners, clients, potential clients, friends, whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. So when you get better at relationships, you get better at life, period. So there are many more people I could mention and so, oh my gosh, just so many. <laughs> I believe you, man. There's so many things that you said that I want to dive into really fast. Okay. Yeah. Not really fast. Let's just stay in this comfort zone for a minute. Now, All right, let's you do said, it. You said you spoke about what happened to you in your divorce and it forced you to go back to evaluate yourself. I said mm. to another gentleman on this show, we often don't write down our failures and look at them. Did you write down mm. your failures and look at them? <laughs> oh, I sure did. Yeah, you bet I, I did. And I think that's a recipe for people to confront themselves and really take a look in the mirror. More than just staring at yourself in an actual mirror. If you actually mm -hmm. wrote down what your infractions were and dealt with them one by one. But tell me, what, how did you let your mind get to that point where you were so self-evaluating? Well, you know, when, when you hear the words, I want a divorce, mm. your, life your life changes forever. Mm. It does. Um, it's kind of like having children. Once you have that first one, your life is never the same again. Mm. You can't ever go back to how it was before. Even if your kids get grown and move out of the house, it's still never the same as it was before. Absolutely. So, so I knew at that point, I mean, clearly I knew things were wrong. I mean, between the two of us, but. I also knew that there was a portion and I'm not going to give it a percentage because that's not really what's important right now, but there was a, a portion of the demise of the marriage that was my fault. And the things that I was able to identify that were mine, those were the things I started working on. And I started right. I was writing all those out. Now the writing out part actually started earlier than that, probably a year to year and a half before that. Um, I had had some, uh, we had had some issues as a couple and my ex had actually kicked me out of the house for a little bit of time, not real long, but she did kick me out and there were things I had to work on. And one of the things, one of the exercises that I, I joined a group of men that we worked on, it was an exercise of being able to identify 
feelings and emotions inside of us and figuring out what to do with them. Mm. Now, I have since taken that exercise and kind of expanded it a little bit. And that's something that I use with men all the time, because often you will hear men talk about, you know, either they don't know what they feel or they'll tell you like, well, I get mad, I get hungry, I get tired. I'm like, well, okay. But there's a lot more to you than that. There's a lot more that you experience as a man on an emotional level, but you might not have the right words for that right now. And so it's not that you aren't capable as a man of understanding that. It's you haven't been trained how to do it. So I have an exercise that I take men through to teach them. And this is where the writing comes in because it's a journaling exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're actually writing stuff out because what that does is it engages different parts of your brain while you do that. And, you know, there have been numerous studies done that will tell you that the best way to retain information, read it, hear it, and physically write it out, not type it out, actually physically write it out. Because I don't know if it was like this for you when you were younger in school. When I was in school, the way my brain works, when I would take notes from what the instructor or what the professor was saying and write it down, when it came back for test time, I never remembered what it looked like in the book. I remembered what my notes looked like on the page. Right. It's almost it's almost like I took a photograph yeah. and it was etched in my brain and that's how I did it. That's how you That's learn. what sticks with us. Yes, absolutely. It's how you learn. And I think that exercise is great for those who listen and make sure you tap in with Mr. John Hewlin if you want to learn that information because this is what he does for a living, folks. So we're not going to ask him to give away a portion of his lifestyle today, but you can contact him directly to grow yourself. Let's move on to your stepfather. Now, your stepfather, I want to know one jewel in business he gave you that sticks with you today that you can actually share with us today. Okay. It was my my former father-in-law. Uh, just father, so father-in-law. I'm yeah, sorry. Not, not, my, not my stepdad, but my I'm former sorry. father-in-law. For, That's former all right. Father-in-law. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, he told me a, a, a couple things. Uh, these two go together. First one is um, be willing to pay for a great attorney and a great CPA because both of them will keep your butt out of jail. Mm. I mean... Retainers. And that's true. <laughs> that is very, very true. Yes, absolutely. Um, that is very true. And, and another thing he told yeah. <laughs> another thing he told me was that um, it's your job as a business person to pay the least amount of taxes possible. Mm. So if there if there are things in the tax code that work in your favor, use those. You're not doing anything wrong if you're abiding by the law and still helping yourself along the way absolutely if if someone somewhere much higher up than you has a problem with that well they'll make changes to it until then take advantage of it because it's there for a reason i mean truthfully the tax codes in the united states many of those are actually written for small business owners to help small business owners you gotta have the information you know, it's okay. It's okay to buy that nice car as long as it's on the company name as a tax write-off. <laughs> Just speak oh it out. Oh my gosh. Okay, here's another one. <laughs> you you because you mentioned that as many of your expenses as possible, do it through your business. Exactly. I mean, just as an example, just as an example, you know, if you I realize people going on trips are a little more limited right now mm-hmm. because of this 
COVID-19 pandemic kind of world that we live in, but any trips that you take, do business while you're there. Even if you have personal things you're doing, do business while you're there and you can write it off. Just write off as much as you can. Absolutely. Hey. Hey, long as it's just being wise. Right now, I hope you, it's just being wise. Little, yeah, get a little bit of wise and to take advantage because it is there for you to use under the law. So don't feel bad about the things that is legal that you can do. Right. Absolutely. Now I will I will caution you, however. To the wind. That's here's my caution. My caution is this: be careful who you talk to about this. Yes, exactly. I'm not, it's not like it's a secret. That's not what I mean. What I mean is if people you hang out with, friends, family members, that sort of thing, if they tend to have what I call regular jobs or they're working for other people, they have a corporate job, that sort of thing, they are not going to understand this and it's, it will upset them. I can promise you because <laughs> I've, I've had those kind of very uncomfortable conversations with people where they just don't get it because they're not business owners. Even if they have a side business, even if you have a side business, you can take advantage of this stuff. Seriously, you can it's huge. But if you're talking to other people, just be careful what you share. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Just again, using wisdom. That's all. If you're not sure you should share it, that's probably an indication you should not. Absolutely. And I want to I want to tackle something that really uh jarred my senses when you said that having a business is like a, your child. Is that mm. the closest thing a man can experience to giving birth is starting his own business? It could be. It's, it's, it's hard for me to say. Um, although I will tell you that I have, I have not experienced this, but I've had friends who have had kidney stones and have passed kidney stones. And they said that's as close as a man can get to the pain of yeah, childbirth. I don't want to. I have a friend who experienced that. I never want to know firsthand. No, no, no. Me either. I have no desire to know that. No desire. But I was talking about just the business part. So I hope that you But, know but emotionally, <laughs> I, you may be right. You may be right. That may be as close as we as men can come to actually birthing something of our own and and i'll just be very honest with folks and say look you, you those of you who are listening watching you might not be people of faith i happen to be one and i will tell you that i think god knew what he was doing when he decided to have women be the ones to give birth to children because if it was up to us men we would die there would be no children. It would be over because we we wouldn't be able to handle the pain. I'm just being real. It's we, true. We just die. Huh? <laughs> we would. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, the last thing you said to break down the, the fourth thing you said, you said you had coaches. Now, the question mm -hmm. I have for you, did you did you seek your coaches out or did they find you? Great question. Um, most I sought out. Not all, but most. Yeah. Um, what does that formula look like for someone who's trying to find a coach? What does that look like? Okay. Well, first of all, let's be a little more targeted in our questioning here. You have to figure out what kind of coaching you want because there's all different kinds. I mean, you could say you want a business coach. Well, again, that's very general. 
um, you may have a business of your own and you have a specific area that you need help with in your business. Let's just say it happens to be your marketing and targeting it even further. Let's say you just don't do a great job with your social media. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You need either a social media coach or what you probably need is you need to hire someone like a VA, a virtual assistant who has expertise when it comes to social media to be able to help you up your game for your social media, which in turn helps your business slash your own brand, mm -hmm. because that's what you need to always be on brand when you're doing stuff. And I, I realize this isn't exactly what you asked, but I will get to it. No, this is, this is good. This yeah. Is for good. those of you who, who have businesses of your own, um, unless you own a giant corporation, for the most part, your business is your brand, which is you, you are the brand. So always be on brand, always be doing that, whatever the colors that you've picked. And there, and there, again, there's, we could get into this if you want to, but there's psychology behind colors and what that says about you as a company. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, let's in fact, John, let's dive into it. Listen, this is a unique interview. People don't get to hear this all the time on solutions. Okay. Let's dive right. into it. We got more questions. Right. But let me I give an example. Not, I do not run from teaching moments. Let's do it. All right. Well, let me give an example. Uh, I have a podcast. It's called relationships and revenue. The purpose of my podcast is to help men improve their most significant relationships at home and in business. That is the entire purpose of the podcast. If you see the podcast artwork that's on there, the background color on there is green. And I, I will be honest and tell you, every time someone asks me about that and say, did you use green because you used revenue in the title? And that never entered my head. I didn't think about money when I came up with green. I thought of green because green psychologically is about growth. That's why I used green. Mm. So green as a color encourages the person who sees it to think about growth. If you think about seasons, anytime things start to go from dark and brown to green, it's a growing season like spring is in the United States. That's what it's like here. Cause we happen to be in the middle of winter and I look out my window, it's snowing right now. So <laughs> where I live, but um, you know, in the not too distant future, in the next month to maybe six weeks at the most, I'm going to start seeing some green coming out. And it's like, it's like, it's like a renewal for me. It's, it's like, it's like, Oh, it's almost like I get a do over kind of thing. Right. So that's, that's one of the, that's one of the emotions that come out when the color green is used um blue a lot of companies use the color blue and it's uh, it promotes trustworthiness for whatever reason blue promotes that and, and there's and there's there's obviously there's more colors and there's more i appreciate processes that. that go into them and that sort of thing but so when it when it comes to establishing your business and you're thinking about your colors or if you already have one and you think maybe we need to be rebranding right now that's something you definitely need to think about. It's like, what are the colors we're using? What do they mean? What do we want to convey to people? What do we want our brand to say to people when they see it? That's huge. Right. right. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for the tips and information. I hope you are sure. listening right now, ladies and gentlemen, and writing this stuff down. If you are an entrepreneur opening up a business, 
and the major keys that you need. You need a mentor and you need coaches to further you on. And you also need to be in the right place of business-minded people if you're going to be an entrepreneur. So I hope you heard Mr. John today. And I want to ask Mr. John, do you have a vision board? I do. It's not close by, but I do have one. You don't need to, you don't need to get it. Just uh, let us know what is an apex goal that you achieved that was on your vision board? And what is one you're currently chasing that's an apex goal? Okay. Uh, my On my vision board for last year, it was starting a podcast, which I did. I had, I had another goal uh, for last year it was to start another business but i didn't know what kind it was going to be because it hadn't come to me yet and so i did that i accomplished that last year this year one of my one of my big goals is to start my own um mastermind that has not happened yet but i'm working on that explain okay uh for those who don't know a mastermind is a is a group of people who get together typically 10 or less um usually even numbers is best and i say best that's my opinion and the reason i say that is because for the time between meetings it allows two of the members to pair up for accountability purposes so having an even number i think is helpful in doing it that way but even if you don't you can still work through that but the whole purpose of doing a mastermind and and you can have for a variety of reasons just like you have coaches for a variety of reasons so the mastermind is to help you drill down learn more get deeper into something so one of the ones that i am working on creating for this year is a mastermind for men and it's to help men get better at their relationships. I I have created something and you alluded to it earlier. I've created something called the F6 formula. Mm -hmm. And the F6 formula are the six areas of a man's life that he tends to struggle in, especially after he gets married. Uh, Do you mind if I share what those six are? Uh, Listen, absolutely. If you feel comfortable letting doubt, let it roll. All right. Well, this is it. These six areas. So they happen to be fashion, excuse me, wrong order, faith, fashion, fitness, food, friendship, and fun. For those of you who are writing, that's faith, fashion, fitness, food, friendship, and fun. Those six areas. And so those are areas that we need to work on. Um, as a, as kind of a, a background to how I even came up with that. Because alliteration isn't necessarily the first thing that always comes to mind for me, but it does make it easier for people to remember. And so I was thinking about these various areas of life uh, that men have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, okay, what could I call them? Because most people use the term framework. Now you all have probably heard that term a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't like using the same term that everybody else uses because everybody else is using <laughs> Just it feels overused to me, so I needed to come up with something else. It also ended up fitting with my F motif because I was using F for everything else. Formula worked well, I just didn't want to use framework. But the F6, there's a reason that I named it that, and not just because those six areas where I live in the Kansas City area, which is the middle part of the United States. For those of you who are outside of the United States, I'm like smack dab in the middle. There's something that's called Tornado Alley. 
and where I live is like on the northern edge of that. And tornadoes, they're ranked. They're ranked like F1 through F5. The higher the number, the more destruction. When you get to F6, it's a completely different kind of tornado. It is not destructive. It is devastating. Totally different. So those other ones, if you've seen pictures of, or if you've ever experienced a tornado before, you know what kind of damage it can do. But an F6 doesn't really do damage. It removes things. Right. It takes houses and foundations, oh, removes what? grass, uproots trees. It even flattens hills. So mm. you can actually see a path that these tornadoes go through and it leaves nothing behind as if nothing ever existed there ever just dirt that's it wow that's amazing and that is what happens in many of our lives as men when we don't have control over those six areas of our lives our lives are a disaster area we end up devastating ourselves and our families and others around us Guys, I'm I'm being as real with you as I can be. Yeah, this is amazing. This is good stuff. I there's men out here that need to hear this. That's why I'm shutting up and letting it roll. So, the reason that I'm doing this, and I want to tell you that I offer this F6 formula as a way to help, because I don't want any of you to end up like me, and that's divorce. Because most divorces, and I know mine was. 100% preventable, completely. And a lot of it has to do with these six areas, guys, really does. Not exclusively, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it covers most stuff. That's what I'm talking about, most things. Absolutely. And so when, when we as men start to get a hold of these things, tackling them one at a time, I want to be clear about that. You can get overwhelmed very easily thinking, oh my gosh, I've got all this stuff I got to get better at. No, we're tackling one at a time. And as that one starts to get better, guess what? Then we add another one. Don't try and do all six because you'll do terrible at all of them and nothing will get better. You just I believe every one you accomplish, it builds another confident level to continue on. This is working. Ab I'm going to go next. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so as you start to get better at those, this thing that provides, that is utterly devastating to your life. You have an opportunity to reverse course, turn it 180 and have it be the areas of your life that are the best, that you are the shining example now to other men about how to do it better. Because your whole purpose is to help them get better. Absolutely. And let me ask you something along that journey of Formula Six, what type of affirmations were you telling yourself? Mm. Excellent question. So as I was working on formulating, <laughs> that was funny. I was not even trying to play on those words, but coming up with the F6 formula. When I was coming up with that, things I was saying to myself was something as simple as you are enough. Everything you need is a part of you now. That is something. But now there, there's, there's something else that I said was key. And this is so huge. Don't forget to include others on your journey because you need them as much as they need you. Because that's real easy for us to do, guys. 
It's really easy for us when things are challenging to go into isolation. It is so easy to do that. And I am guilty of that. I still do that from time to time. I do. You know, John, there's two things that I do that you just said. I, I definitely tell myself and others that you are good enough for right now. I say that all the time to people. You are good enough for right now. And whenever I'm out exercising, walking, riding my bike, I always call someone on the phone to talk to. So it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like exercise. So that person yeah. is joining me on my journey. They don't even know it. I just called to talk. At the same time, I'm talking to you, but you're helping me get through something that absolutely is a mental drain for me. Right? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So I applied those few things in my life. And I want to know how early did you start goal setting to implement this formula six into your life? Oh, goodness. Um, well, let's see. Now, remember, this took several years for me to get to the point where I was able to actually put it all together in this nice little package. I mean, I got little bits and parts of it along the way. I would say it started. Um, my divorce was finalized, as I said, April 1st, 2010. Probably within six months of that is when the process began. So this has been a, a 10 plus year process. <clears throat> now I've had it pretty well honed for the last three years, probably, mm -hmm. probably that long. Uh, I didn't have a name for it at that point. Not th three years ago, I didn't have a name for it. You just but... going through an experimental phase. I get it. The test trials, you had to figure oh, out. Oh, absolutely. You know, finding things that work and don't work mm -hmm. and, and, you know, getting feedback from others sometimes i ask for it many times i didn't <laughs> and so sometimes when you don't ask for it you can get all kinds of feedback right. and so and, and let me let me encourage your listeners with this if you want to grow as a person you have to solicit feedback from other people you have to that's how you get better because you can't do it just yourself because there's not enough wisdom within you to know how to make you better in all facets of your life You've got to be able to take little bits from other people and have them. You got to be real and raw. You got to open yourself up and say, like, okay, I'm giving you permission to speak into my life. If you, see an, if you see an area that is messed up, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you permission to call me out on it. Now, you got to be careful because when you do that, depending upon who you ask. Yeah, I'm about to say that. Sometimes you may get laid flat. Yeah, well, I, and also I think you want to find the expert in the category that you're asking, right? You just don't want to ask anyone. Like if you're trying oh, to, I agree. yeah, if you just want to find out about how bad you're eating your food, you don't want to ask another guy who eats just as bad as you. You want to go to somebody <laughs> who's actually, you see them making these changes and you might not understand them, but you, you, you're there for all the input they can give because this is what they specialize in. So find a specialization person. I'm happy that you started the goal set around six months, but within within that time frame from 2010 to now, what did mm -hmm. you sacrifice to become the man you are today? Oh gosh, um, wow. Well, I had well. First of all, there were some relationships I had to give up with with people who were not. It sounds selfish to say it this way, and I don't mean it in a selfish way, but they weren't serving my best interest. That's not so, selfish, they, they weren't. They, the things, the relationship that I had with these particular individuals mostly 
was one-sided where it was me giving to the relationship but it was not reciprocal right not exclusively but there were some that were like that and i had to eliminate those because it was a time drain for me if nothing else it's like look if the, if there isn't if this isn't mutually beneficial then i need to at least put this to the side and say look i'm not cutting off all contact but it's like you're not getting you know regular attention from me you're just not going to and there there are others who who down who were downright just a drain just a suck they just suck the life right out of me and trust me when i use those use those words sucking the life right out of me i guarantee you some of the listeners right now it's like someone already came to mind there's that person in my life you need to get that person out of your life Wow. Now I, I'm I'm cautious saying that. No, you must be because I, I think somebody did kind of my head when you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there there are shout out to you. <laughs> what's 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 hard is when that's a family member. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting real now. People, it's yeah. like now it's hurting. Oh no, no, I get like, it. It could be a family member. It could be a spouse, which is even closer. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. now that's a different discussion. I am not telling you to get rid of that spouse. So do not hear me say that. I am not saying that. I'm saying you can work through that. And that is a completely separate well, discussion. Let me stop you right there real quick. I want to tell all the people who are yeah. encouraged. There is a book that I love to read called Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. It talks about resistance and it can come from any form from a family member, spouse and everything. Mm. So I promote this book because it teaches you how to continue on your purpose and journey, even though resistance may come and people might not be all that bad. They just don't know that, realize they're operating out of resistance towards you at the moment. So you can teach people how to stay in your life and better you. Please continue, John. I just want to put plug. Love that. Love that. That's great. And and I am all about resources giving people resources things tools to help them because every resource folks is a tool in your toolbox it's it's you make it available to use and if you don't use it that's okay because the great thing about tools is you can also share those tools with other people who need it more than you do at that time i do that often there you go sir there you go absolutely one thousand percent i agree with you now, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. You've been through the rough times, wrote it down, you developed yourself, you have a vision, you're accomplishing goals, you're using affirmations, you had mm-hmm. to get rid of some friends that were not in your tunnel vision. But before, right. before all of that came to be, there was that six month period, that low right. moment that you had to redevelop yourself and rebrand yourself. Talk to me about that moment of being low when you didn't recognize yourself but I don't want to just talk about it. I would like to know how you got up. What made you decide to want to make yourself better? And this is the how-to part. This is for the people who may be struggling with getting up. And what did you do? What is one of the things you grabbed out of your toolbox and said, mm-hmm. hey, or who did who helped you? Or how did it happen? How did you get back up? There, there were a few things that went into that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, I, I am a person of faith. So that definitely played a part in that, in that coming out part, because I knew there was more for me than being identified as a divorce guy. Um, mm. for, for those of you who are able to see this conversation right now, if you look over here, there's these three people right here. These are my kids. I knew that I didn't have a lot of time to wallow because I still had to parent them. I was co-parenting at that point, but I still had to parent those kids. I mean, my divorce 
wrapped up at like 11 o'clock in the morning and I had to go pick up my kids at three. So I didn't have a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I was pretending when I was around the kids. It was, I had to put that portion of my life on hold when I had my kids that day. And in within those six months, you know, the days that I had them had to do the same thing. And then when they weren't with me is when I began the process of trying to figure out how to work through those things. Um, I had, I had a couple of friends who were very close to me at that time uh, who were kind enough to just walk alongside me. Didn't really offer a lot of advice necessarily. They mm -hmm. just kind of let me be. They let you walk though. And, and let, and let me do the hard work of healing and anybody who tells you that healing isn't hard work has never gone through it ever <clears throat> healing is hard work because there there are basically two kinds of pain you're going to experience in your life there is chronic pain and there is acute pain chronic pain it's kind of a it's it's kind of a numbing pain it's, you feel it all the time. You don't ever not feel it. So it's constantly there. You can do things occasionally to help mitigate it a little bit. But eventually it goes back up to the level it was at. Sometimes it goes a little higher, but usually it's not very high. Acute pain is very different. Because chronic pain, you don't really have to think about or do anything about it. Because it's there. Acute pain, you have taken action to get to it. Acute pain is much more intense, but it's for a short amount of time. And that's when healing begins, is when you make the choice to go from chronic pain to acute pain. You're gonna say, I am tired of this cancer in my life, and so I'm gonna do what it takes. I'm gonna take this scalpel right here, and I am going to cut in my arm, get that cancer out all the way down as far as it goes. I'm not covering it up. I'm not putting a salve on it. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm getting to the heart of the matter, what's actually wrong. And trust me, when you go through acute pain by choice, it's terrible. It hurts so bad. You will cry and cry and cry until you can't cry anymore. And then you'll cry a little more. But... Once you start to come on the other side of the acute pain, not that the healing process after you cut that out doesn't hurt because it does. It takes a while for that part to grow back and to be healthy again. But once you do that, you are so much better on the other side. And guess what? The chronic pain you were going through that you got used to, it's gone. And one day you wake up and it's like, I don't, I don't feel that pain that I used to feel anymore. Where'd it go? You did the hard work. You made the choice, the difficult choice of saying, I'm getting rid of that from my life. I am tired of it being that way. I think all men, all men, whether you're young right now, you haven't gone through this, everything, everything you've been through in your life, there will come a point where the music will stop and your skin will shed. And it will be very painful because you're going to have to listen to the sound of your own heartbeat. And now you have to pick which way you're going. Mm. Like you're going to be on autopilot for a long time because the ways of the world is going to teach you many traditions, many things that could be lies, could be true. And when you get to a certain point as a man, when you go through a hard time or you just come to that time of peace, 
But everything stops. Everything you learn, you have to listen to the sound of your own prayers and the own sound of your heartbeat to get up. That's a time where I think a man is shedding his skin and really getting into that purposeful journey where he starts to see exactly what type of person he is and what, or what he's growing towards. And I think we all go through that. And I don't know what age all of us go through it at. Some of us are earlier, older than others. But what you're talking about is shedding our skin and getting to the point where we actually grow into the being more than a man, mm-hmm. more than a human being. We're just a consciousness of light. And that's an incredible thing. But on this road and on this journey of us trying to be these symbols of hope, us talking about manhood and trying to grow each other, let's have a little fun here. What have you you procrastinated on and why? Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Um, Well, for years, my health journey, I procrastinated on for a long time. Long, long time. And then, you know, I started to... Do you love food, John? Are you a foodie? Now, see, I, I used to be kind of a foodie. I'm not so much that way anymore. And, and here's why it's because when I started to take my health seriously and I really got on board with that, I, I made, I didn't make all the changes I needed to make at once. Again, first of all, that's not sustainable. You won't do it. It was incremental for me. I did little bits at a time. And as I started to see the change happen within me, it made it easier to make the next change right. that I needed to. Snowball well, what, what what happens in addition to that, folks, if you don't know this, as you start to improve your health from only from the food intake, I'm just leaving this that part. When that's your focus and you start to eat on a more healthy basis, on a regular basis, even if you start with one thing you eat a day that's good for you, that's still one more than you did yesterday. Remember that. But as I started to do that, my body started to change and to adapt. My body started to crave the good stuff and revolt against the bad stuff. Let me give you an example. One of my kids uh, doesn't have celiac disease, but she is gluten intolerant, which means her body doesn't like it, but she's not technically allergic to it. So to try and encourage that, when the kids were with me, I didn't keep anything in the house that had gluten in it. Well, I started getting used to eating without gluten. I went to a friend's house who was having a party. It was a cookout and they were serving burgers on the grill. Well, I was talking with people and I was by the grill and they just handed me a plate. I wasn't even looking at it. I wasn't paying any attention. They handed it to me as I would have done for years and years and years prior to that. I picked it up. I took a bite. As soon as I bit down in it and I started to chew and I swallowed, I realized there's a bun on here. And this is not like a gluten-free bun. My body was extremely angry with me mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So honestly, what I did to try and mitigate the pain, because I was in pain, believe it or not. So oh, what I what I, what I did was I grabbed, you know, like four or five bottles of water and I just chugged them right away. And that and that helped. That helped a lot. But what that made me realize is. I really, I have to be diligent about paying attention to the things that I put in my body because when I don't, my body doesn't like it and lets me know pretty quick that was a bad choice. I could tell you one story about that for me. Uh, 
I went almost three and a half years without eating any meat. Wow. Right. And then, mm-hmm. then one day I was out, I think with my family and they had chicken wings. I was like, you know, I'm eating a piece of chicken. They were like, what? I bit into that chicken and I immediately felt the energy leave my body. I just felt, I just got tired. Mm-hmm. I only bit in one piece of chicken. I got so tired. And then I fell down a rabbit hole of eating meat all over again. And, I, oh, and I've, I've shaken it. I've shaken it since then. But that was wow that the meat took so much time to process that it took so much energy from me. And now when I eat right and don't eat meat now, I can barely go to sleep. I have so much energy. And it's wow. people always ask, why are you always up? I say, yo, listen, I got to exercise. I got to do a lot of things to work, make my body tired so I can go to sleep. And really get the, the sleep part, you know, the four or five hours in where you your mind and body really sleeps. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing your information on procrastination. Food is also something that troubles me too. Not really the food. I think it's the exercise portion for, portion for me. Okay. I need to get up and really exercise. But I, I with COVID, it, it does it, it detailed, it, it derailed the things I like doing for exercise, right? Everybody okay. had to change the way they went about it. That sure. means... That means you had to really think, do the things you don't like. Like, yeah. I like swimming. I like riding bikes. I like playing sports. All of those things you can't do during COVID time. <laughs> or bike riding you can. But, but other than that, I have to train myself mentally to be in another plane. So I challenge everyone to just write down the things you hate doing and attack it one at a time, like Mr. John said, and you'll start to build confidence in it once you achieve it. Absolutely. Mr. John. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going? Okay, say say that again. I want to make sure I heard you right. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going, whether it's physically, mentally, or spiritually? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just huge. I mean, if you, if you have any intention of growing as a person, um, I'm speaking in general right now, but if you're talking about those specific areas that you mentioned, if you have any intention, if you think you might want to get better at any aspect of your life, you're going to have to leave your preconceived notions about who you were, who you might be behind and just like, okay, I need to start working on this one thing to begin to develop me because what's going to happen. And it's, it's, this taps into something else that I think is really important here. One of the reasons that men don't start things is because they don't, they don't have a clear vision for where they want to go. And what I'm telling you right now is you have to learn to be okay with the fog. You got to learn to be okay with the fog because eventually you'll get through it and things will become clear. But the only way they get clear is when you take imperfect action. Imperfect action is always better than a perfect plan because a plan gets you nowhere. I'm not saying don't plan. Don't hear me say that. Not at all. But if you don't act on a plan, it does you no good. No good. But an imperfect plan, an imperfect action, what that does for you, that helps to bring about clarity. Now, does that mean when you do one thing, you get ultimate clarity? Probably not. I'm not going to say you can't get that. It's not very likely, but it becomes that fog gets a little less. Each action you take, 
Because here's the great thing about action when you take it. One of two things happens for you. You get it right or you learn. Did you notice I didn't say the word fail? I noticed. Because, because failing is learning. You learn how to not do something. Well, you have to choose a, to, to let it be a learning moment too. Choosing is yes, very important. Not is, wallowing in your misery for too long. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to compare that to failure. Failing means you took a risk, you tried something new, and it didn't work. It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Failure is not something you do. It's who you are. That means you willfully choose not to act. That is failure. I cannot help someone who chooses that. But all day long, every day, I can help anybody who is willing to fail because that means they're teachable and they're willing to learn from their mistakes. I can work with that person. John is in here dropping gems, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you are listening to Solutions right now or watching Solutions right now. John is in here dropping gems. But I do have a serious question for you. And I will okay. preface this by saying that you're the 10th person. Now, we've had many, many interviews, but this question is brand new. And you're the 10th male I will ask this question. I need to know three things out of this question from you. Whether okay. it's too intrusive, should I leave it out? And I would like you to answer the question if you'd like to. If you don't want to answer it, I understand. Are you okay. ready for the question? I am so ready. Bring it on. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Very. Okay, here it is. What was abusive to you that you thought was love? How did you recognize it? And how long did it take for you to accept it? Mm. Abusive to me. That you thought was love. How did you recognize it? How long did it take for you to accept it? I have an answer for that question. I think it's a very appropriate question. So I don't think there's anything wrong with you asking it. Um, I'll put it this way. I think it is incumbent on each of us to do two things related to what you just said. The first thing is, um, for those of you who have never heard of this, uh, there's something that's called the five love languages. It's, it's by Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. And, and excuse me, Dr. Gary Chapman. I want to give the man credit. I mean, when you earn a doctorate, you deserve to be called that. Okay, doctor. Yeah, I will call him doctor from now on as well. Excuse right. me. But the great thing about that book and the training that goes along with that is that, first of all, allows you as a person to discover your preference for receiving love. Now, what most of us do is we tend to give love to others how we like to receive it. If the other person is a match for us, that's great. Most of the time, they're not. And so what we have to do is we have to learn about the other person and be able to give love to that other person the way he or she needs to receive it, not necessarily how we like to give it. So as an example, this gets into the question at hand. One of the things that my dad was not good at was expressing love. Because he did what most men do, and that is they express love how they like to receive it or what they grew up with. I'll even say that. Right. And so 
my dad did it through acts of service. My dad said he loved us by doing things. So like, if there was something wrong on your car, dad would go work on the car. And that was how he expressed love. He would also probably say that he expressed love because he went to work every day. Now to me, neither one of those were what I needed from him. I needed to actually hear the words from him. Words of affirmation, affirmation. is huge for me. Yeah, words yeah, of affirmations yeah. are huge yeah. for me. Uh -huh. I, actually, I, words of affirmation and physical touch are together for me. Most of us have a primary and a secondary. I actually have two primary. Those are both primary for me. Um, and so it's not. I'm not saying I needed hugs from him, but I did need the words from him that I never really got. And so I'm not saying this to everybody. Except, Woe is you. That's I'm not at all. I'm way over that. I've worked through all that stuff, but it was very challenging for me when I first got married to really understand what love was and to be able to express that mm. in proper ways, especially to my then wife and later to my kids, mm -hmm. you know, because I needed to, they need from me to know what their love languages are so that I can give them love in a way that makes sense to them. Now, for those of you who are thinking, okay, what if you're not talking about your family? What if you're talking about say people you work with? Okay, you don't have to call it love if you're talking about people you work with. Although I would argue the case that anyone you have a relationship with, you have a certain type of love for that person. But I'll leave that alone for just a minute and move into this and just say, the kind of relationship that you have with that person, there's a certain way that that person needs to be able to relate to you and you need to understand that person uh, you can think of it in terms of not love languages. Think of it in terms of personality profiles. If you look at it that way, if you guys know anything about like Myers-Briggs, DISC, Enneagram, any of those, when you know that information about that other person, how you convey what you need that person to know makes all the difference in the world to that person, i.e. makes them feel like they're being heard, understood, and to a certain degree, loved. Right. Because if you've got a person that you work with who absolutely needs two minutes of your time every day to connect with you, just to talk before you get into work stuff, if you drop that person an email with a to-do list and don't have those two minutes, you'll never get the best out of that person ever. Right. But the person who longs for that to-do list, who thrives on a to-do list, that you want to spend a couple minutes chatting with them, it just drains the life out of them. You're not helping them by doing that. Mm -hmm. Give them the list they crave. They can get through the list, they feel accomplished, and then they're more likely to have that conversation right. after. So I hope I was able to answer that question. Absolutely. You. you answered the question. I think a lot of people need to take reverence and understand the relationships outside of outside of love and intimacy, right? The relationships of characterization and building and understand that sometimes you have to unlearn and relearn things like things you've been taught and you bring it into the, your household thinking it's the same way. And it takes you years to unlearn and relearn something.
about yourself, especially when you bring two people together for a marriage. I often tell this story, and this is not on a large scale, but this is on a similar scale. Me and my wife got together, married now, we have our kitchen together. I cook, she cooks. Whenever I cooked in my family growing up, the person who cooked didn't have to wash dishes. Whenever, whenever her family cooked, in her family, the person who cooked washed dishes along the way so the kitchen could be clean after they finished cooking. So think about that communicative process where I did all the cooking, left the pots in the sink. Hey, you got to wash the dishes because I finished cooking. She was like, no, why didn't you wash them along the way? But we didn't do that in my house. So we had to meet, you know, that's just a small example of of two people coming together, what they've been taught and how to upgrade themselves, relearn and relearn, unlearn and relearn situations. Now Mm -hmm. fast forward to this day, am I perfect? No, but I'm making an effort to cook and clean at the same time and in the moments I just don't get to it she comes behind me and washes the dishes for me because you know at that moment I just didn't have it in me to do all of it right mm-hmm. so there's a there's a there's a there's a thing there but talk to me about fatherhood okay and I, and I don't want to talk about all the nice beautiful pictures jumping in the sky <laughs> I want to talk about the moments where you love your kids but I don't like you right now and the, the fact is I want to talk about the patience right but I also want to talk about you being a father of mixed children. That is a topic that we can okay. discuss on this show and your views and the point of the world as a man looking at the world for how do you think about when your kids walk out the door? But first, talk to me about the patients. Oh, good. Well, I can tell you this. It will be tested. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. And you will have at least one kid that whatever your buttons are that are your your hot spots you know where it feels like someone's digging into you you're gonna have at least one who does that on a regular basis mm. and that's gonna be your one that's hard to like because <laughs> you because you love your kids you love your kids. And, and, I, and i have said and the phrase you said i have said that to each of my kids at different times it's like you know what i will always love you but i do not like you right now yeah right and it and there are and i Take this, and I think it's a gem. I hopefully the listeners will too. <laughs> there are times, and this was when my kids were younger, that I put myself in timeout and I told them why ahead of time. Like, I am so angry with you right now. I'm afraid of what I might do. So I'm putting myself in timeout. So I'm not gonna look at you and I'm not gonna talk to you for at least 10 minutes because I need to calm down. Absolutely. I think all men need to take that step when it comes to everything, relationships, whether you're in the streets, whatever. You need to remove yourself from the situation before you do something that you regret. And if you understand yourself that much, I actually do that now. I'm a guy who does not like to get angry because it's very hard for me to calm down after Mm -hmm. I reach that boiling point, right? I I mean, I really just, I don't want to go there. So what I do is I'm a master of seeing that the the, the zero degrees Celsius is coming, the boil is coming. So I look at it and say, you know what? Mm, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. And it doesn't make you a coward. It actually makes you smart for you. So that is a great gem that you just dropped. Now, rarely I discuss anything of the diaspora of being a father outside of the the uh, patience part. Okay. But for you, it's a unique situation. And you're the first person I interviewed who has the opportunity to give your experiences of America and today with the children you have. Mm-hmm. Because 
regardless of where you raise your children or how well and people know them in the neighborhood, the world still doesn't know them in character. They only see them from the outside. So speak to me about how you feel when you see stuff on television that is related to brown and black people. Okay. In um, reverence to your children. You right, know. right. Well, let me let me let me set this up. When my kids were very small, my son is four years older than my oldest daughter. So he's 20, she's 16, my other daughter's 15. Uh, for those of you who are listening only, my son is as white as he can be, and my girls are two beautiful brown young women. And so uh, my, my ex-wife and I adopted the girls. They happen to be half-sisters, so they had the same birth mother. Horrible. And um, uh, and they're actually ten months apart in age, but the uh, but the girls when I when I would when they were very small and I would take all the kids out together when it was just me taking them out. <clears throat> the thing that broke my heart was I would hear people say things, kind of whispering, when we would be in public places. The part that hurt the most is that it was usually women of color who would say things, absolutely. negative, negative I, I, things. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I, yeah. They, they, unfortunately, they said things to me like, you know, assuming the woman I was with was African-American, my ex-wife actually is white, but assuming they assumed she was and says, you know, why is he stealing the woman from our, from our people, from our society, that sort of thing. Uh, and they said, I can tell you, they said many more, not so nice things that I'm glad that my kids were so small. They either didn't hear or it just went over their heads. They didn't understand mm -hmm. uh, things. I can't unhear mm -hmm. ah, things. I can't, I just, I, I can't. And at the time it made me angry, not angry enough to do something. I, okay. Angry is maybe not the right word. It hurt a lot because it's like, you don't know me. You don't know us. You don't know our situation. You don't know that if we hadn't adopted my girls where they would have lived, very likely by the time they were their age, they'd be dead. Mm -hmm. That is the honest to goodness truth. I listen, I understand, <clears throat> I understand how hard and so, and so um, to go a little further in what you're saying, you know, over the years, you know, we've had to have discussions with the girls. I have had discussions with the girls and with my son to a certain extent, <clears throat> about what it means to be a person of color, you know, and I, every time we have a discussion related to that, I always preface it by saying to the girls, I am not a person of color. So the things that you go through, I will never know on a heart level like you do. It's like, you need to understand that I don't know that. I'm not going to know that. That doesn't mean that I can't understand some of it that I can't relate to some of it because some of it I can I said I I will always try to understand to the best of my ability I will always be there for you to support you and to help you it's like because I am always for you always for you mm -hmm. and I told him it's like you know there's going to be people that you're going to encounter who aren't going to like you just because of how you look I said now you don't have to be brown for that to be true I said, there's been people that I know have told me to my face that don't like me because they don't like the way I look 
for a variety of reasons. It could have been because of my hair. That what that actually happened one time. It was because <laughs> years and years ago, because of my hair, uh, because of something I wore. Um, I actually have had numerous people. This was when I was younger. This was like middle school. You know, middle schoolers are notorious. They're just that is a horrible age. It just is. Kids are just nasty to each other, especially girls. But you know, they're just extremely nasty to each other. You know, and I and I had kids of a <clears throat> of a variety of ethnic background say to me, you know, I hate you because you're white. You know what? I think that and they didn't even know me. I know. I know I th okay, I think that is more about what is taught or what is seen in terms of what they only way they can communicate their frustrations with the world. I don't disagree with what you're saying. No, no, and I, did. I, I didn't. No. I didn't blame them. I wasn't upset with them at no, the no, time. No, no. Let, me, let me finish. I let just didn't finish. understand. Yeah, I, I know, and it's not right. Like some, we don't understand what the overall branding of some of us look like from the hardship of others that that they do. But what I do understand is that you're a rare man because a rare, a rare. Let me be real. You're a rare white man who was unafraid to to dig it deep to himself and, re and reverence and realize what has really been bothering people of color. That right there is a genuine thing inside of you because you wouldn't have adopted any kids of color. You would have stayed away from that premise alone. So that alone should be enough to afford you the respect you deserve. <laughs> now, outside looking in and other educated people in my culture, we all look at colorism incorrectly but we all have reverence and footnotes in history that support our ignorance at certain times. That's why communication is the most important. That's why you and I talking is most important. But sometimes people judge face value because so many times the answers on the other end have led to devastation, frustration, True. carnage, Oh, F6s, just straight <laughs> devastation, like you said, right? So at that time, it's great that you kept your head up and kept walking. But I do have a question for you. Did you ever solicit any information from another Black female to talk to your daughters since that you couldn't connect with them on that level? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I did uh, more than once, actually. Absolutely. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I, there are there are things like, for instance, and I'll, I'll be I'll be very very honest with this. When we first got the girls, I, okay, for those of you who don't know, who don't have children of a different ethnicity than you, um, I'm I'm picking one thing, uh, hair. Absolutely. My hey. girls' hair is very different than mine. The, need, <clears throat> the needs of their hair is different than mine. Constantly needing moisturizing, that sort of thing. Again, things I learn. And so, you know, what, what to do for their hair, how to help it grow and be healthy and that sort of thing. And that those kinds of things, I have always reached out to other people for help. It's like, look, I don't pretend to know everything. It's like, help me do a better job with them. What do I need? Sh please show me. Um, you know, like I'm finding, you know, proper head wraps for the girls to wear at bedtime. And you know, you know, know things so, like that. You know, what's so interesting about what you're saying. I couldn't even imagine the pressures was that was on your ex-wife about that because oh, yeah. 
because not only has she has to be inquisitive to other women, they're still going to judge her. And they're yeah. going to say, they're going to give her that look. They're going to give her that look like, mm, 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 uh, what you trying to do right. over here? What you doing here? Trying to steal from us? Steal from my culture? It's yeah. a lot of stuff that good people go through to show support to the other side. So there is a reckoning on both sides, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm talking about. And like, we don't really focus on women a lot on this show because we're all about men development, but I will say this to the men listening who deal with mixed families of interracial couples, check on your wife because there are a lot of things, a lot of women hold to heart that they, they, they feel that rites of passage to bring on to a daughter that if they have no idea, they had their whole life to think about how they can pass it down, but then culturally they have to they have to relearn everything and actually have to go to the culture to find out that it's not very accepting because of colorism, racial lines, whatever it is, the branding of the of the world. That is a tough, tough mental job. So yeah, agreed. It is. God bless you and your family. Oh, my Honestly, my, my ex-wife has always done really, really well with that stuff. I, I give her total props for that. I mean, seriously. Wow, She's been a lot of pressure. That's it's the, an amazing first, pressure. I mean, the first seven or eight years of their lives, she was the one that did their hair. There you go. But she had and to that, find out first. Folks, that she, is a process. Yeah, that's oh what I'm saying. Gosh, she that had is to a find process. Out, that's pressure. She had to find out how to do it. Probably watched okay. a YouTube video. Probably had to call some people. Had to go near the salon and talk to a random person. Like all of those things rely on people being receptive on why you're there mm -hmm. and trusting why you're there and how they whether they're gonna help you or not. Whether you built up enough rapport for them to be nice to you yeah. on both sides, right? Yeah. But That's I but I will say this. I will say this. She got what what I think is one of the best compliments ever. Uh, we, we adopted the girls. We did it through the foster care system where we mm -hmm. live. And we went back to the group. We were asked to come in and be guest speakers for a meeting for people who are wanting to become foster parents. Mm -hmm. And there was another couple that was there that was speaking as well. And it was an African-American couple. Mm -hmm. And we had, um, at that did we have both the girls that it's not important. We had one or both the girls with us. I can't remember which. And they commented after the meeting was done, that couple commented to my, my then wife. It's like, you are doing a great job with those girls. And of course, you know, we say thank you, but they went on to explain why. I mean, cause we had no idea what they meant. And mm -hmm. they say, we can't begin to tell you the number of white people who bring in children of color, even if they're mixed, who don't have any idea what they're doing with their hair and they, they look unkempt. They don't look well taken care of. It's like your girls are very well taken care of. You're doing a great job. I mean, that was huge for her. That was so big. I mean, I said that to her all the time, but it meant a lot more coming no, from them a lot because, more because, they, because they know more about that than I do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, that's a whole nother conversation how men compliment their wives and they go, thank you. And somebody else <laughs> right. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. Let's continue on. But I thank you for sharing and being so personable with yeah. that information. You helped somebody today and you grew a lot of people in that connection that mm -hmm. they need to understand the story before they read the book, right? There you go. Yes. Right. And I know that may sound crazy, ladies and gentlemen, but that is really what it is. 
Should there be a basic training program amongst men, a level of education given out in our communities? And what I mean by that is outside of the church, outside of the school, outside of the Boys and Girls Club, we're in our neighborhoods and we have specialties in certain things. We study certain things to make sure that we are now informing our kids as fun activities like financial literacy, communication, how to change a tire, how to change a tire, gardening, generational wealth building, stocks, real estate, speaking with the elderly with intent, shoveling snow outside to make some money, cutting grass to make some money, financial literacy. Do you ever think that we can come together as a community and start where, let's say you and I were neighbors. Mm-hmm. You talk to our young boys about just different things in manhood. Were they listening? Do they want to hop around and play? Yes, but we're now planting seeds. I talk to them about uh, changing a tire or changing a tie. And now both of us know this information. So in our households, we're always talking about it, making it fun, making it regular. And now they don't realize they're actually being prepared for the things they don't hear in church, in school, or at the Boys and Girls Club where they play. Do you ever mm-hmm. think we can implement something like that in our communities and really just turn this whole thing around, just upgrade ourselves in communication? Oh, 100%. I believe that. Um, let me let me break it down from because community can feel very large to people. Right. It's like, what is community? So I'm going to break it down even further than that. Let's talk about neighborhood by neighborhood. Absolutely. Because you can get a handle on that. It's you can you can handle a neighborhood. It's like okay, in my neighborhood. This is what we do. It's again, I'm this this is kind of we're pretending for a minute in an ideal situation. Absolutely. But in in this in this idealistic situation, we're saying, look, you know, when kids are around here, this is what they're going to learn at my house. It's like when kids are over here, this is what they're going to learn at my house. So what it also means we as adults are communicating with one another just like look it's important for us to be training our kids and especially and i'm thinking right now specifically of those single moms out there who Uh don't have the dads around to be teaching their boys the things they need to be teaching them or the boys are learning things they don't need to be learning we're teaching them the right ways to do things um we're providing opportunities for the boys to have for lack of a better term our boys desperately need rites of passage to help them go from being boys to being men. They need that. Desperately, they need that. Now, I, I will say, not to cut you off, but I will say people like Big Brother programs and all those programs, mm-hmm. I applaud those programs. What I'm desperately mm-hmm. talking about is a level, a level of education inside the home for each parent. Like, Many of us are parents, but we're ignorant to a lot of things that we should be applying, implementing, and making fun for our kids. So I'm talking about, like okay. I said, neighborhood by neighborhood. We know we got big brother programs. We know we got organizations that are coming around and scooping these kids up for summertime and all of that. But I want this to be something that's around the clock where this is their lifestyle. This is like, I'm going to buy me a Nike stock with my money. I'm not going to go and spend it all on something else. I'm going to actually, right. their mindset is just totally changed because their, their guardians, their parents, their mentors, they're all living in this same frequency of communication. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, sure. Well, and it's, it's showing them that these things that they initially think are boring, that they would never want to do actually can be fun. <laughs> That's but, but that requires the person conveying the information to actually enjoy the thing. 
Yes. I mean, because you can't fake that to kids. You can't. I'm sorry. You think you're good. You're not. You're not that good. You're just not. So for me, um, just to come up with an example, something I would do, uh, something that I've taught my kids. I've taught them basic maintenance on cars. And I've, I've taught them the basic stuff, not because... Let me back up. The reason I taught my kids to do that is like, you need to know for yourself so that if you hire someone else to do something for you, you know that they did it right. Let me give you an example, just changing the oil on the car. Okay. So I taught my son how to do that. Uh, every car he's had, I've shown him how to do it on his car. Cause you know, cause every car is a little bit different. And so I said, look, it's important for you to know how to do this. I said, for the most part, yes, it does save you some money. And right now, obviously, he's 20 years old in college. He cares about saving money. I get that. At some point in the future, in the not too distant future, he's going to be more concerned about time than he is about money. Absolutely. So he's, he's going to be willing to pay somebody else to do it. I said, now, look, the reason I want you to do that, that I want you to know how, is because before you leave someplace where they've changed your oil, you need to do a couple things. You need to look underneath and make sure that drain plug is not dripping. You need to make sure that oil filter is not dripping. You need to make sure the oil cap is back on and you need to check and see if there's new oil in it. I am not kidding you. There are places who will say they change their oil and one of two things happens. One, they drain it and forget to put it in. Yes, that has happened. And two, they say they drain it, but they don't. Right. And another addition I want to add to that is if he's in college and he knows how to change oil, he can mm-hmm. change the oil for so many other students on campus and make yes. some money. So now he has yeah, a cool skill training. That's what I'm saying. So even if everybody knew how to change oil, time in college, hey man, can you change the oil for me in fifth period? I got a little money for you. Okay, cool. I'm going to this class. You change my oil. How about okay? How about you change my oil for me? And now we just cutting this out. And now there's no money being exchanged, but you're still getting more time, mm-hmm. which is priceless. So that's what I'm talking about. Just us having this level of communication that everybody knows how to do a basic majority of things that require us to function and give us more time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you were you were mentioning about the the purchasing of things, like purchasing stock versus versus, you know, like purchasing like candy or something. Yeah. You know? And and just saying, look, I mean, you can buy the candy. There's nothing wrong with you buying the candy, but the problem is once you eat the candy, it's gone. You can't, you have nothing to show for it except a wrapper. Right. And that doesn't do you any good. But, but if you choose to invest your money, you can take this little bit of money and you can make it grow. And guess what? At some point you could take that money out and buy this other thing. You could buy a car with it, or if that's too big, you could buy a bicycle or, or or to be transparent the way, the way we're able to buy stocks now apps, you can put your money in, wait two weeks to see what happens take a portion out go buy the candy and still have money in the stock. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Like just wait. Just If you learn how to wait, so this way you're not spending your own money. You're spending house money. <laughs> like right. Things. That's right. Be right. smart about how you're doing it. Absolutely. Listen, be yeah. smart about our financial literacy. I want to poll you. Okay. Now, I love asking men this question. It's fun for me. I want to see the answer you give. And it's the top three things that you want in a woman right? Top three things. And I want to see if 
you say one word that's in my head. And after this question, I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions that I have for you. But this question right here is the top three things you want in a woman. If you can, if you if you need five, go ahead. Some guys said they need five, but I want to okay. see if it's the one word that I'm thinking about. Maybe that most guys don't say. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, I realize probably my top answer is not going to be the same as somebody else's. Well, but... it's subjective. It's what you need. So yeah, there's it's, no it's, wrong it's answer. It's important to me. Uh, yeah. I mentioned before that I'm a person of faith, so she has to be a Jesus follower. That's what's that's important to me. Um, intelligence is huge for me. Okay, that's great. Um, let's see. Okay, I mean, there there has to be some sort of physical appeal there. Okay. I mean, because honestly, that's the bait. The hook is who she is as a person. Mm, now you're um, talking. Now you talking. I mean. I mean, because ultimately that's what keeps you is who the person is. Yeah. Um, you know, is she a, a person of integrity and stands by the things that she says and does? I mean, those are very important to me. Um, a person who loves other people mm. and 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 could potentially be, I realize my kids are a little older, but could potentially be a good stepmother to my kids, even if that's more in a friendship role, again, because they're older. Yeah. Uh, be able to be that, um, you know, it's, it's someone who is not so concerned about herself all the time is it's her, her could, her life is revolving around other people. And she, her, she's concerned about helping and serving other people. That's important to me too. Absolutely. Well, I would say, oh. I would say, sir, the word mm -hmm. everyone leaves out that you did not isn't. Oh, okay. Oh, Nice. A lot of people think. Oh, dude, that's sexy. Oh my God, yeah. intelligence is sexy. My, my my narrative for that conversation is that most people think it comes guaranteed. So when you say <laughs> when you no, it doesn't. No, when you say intel, when I say intelligence to people, they go, oh man, you know, yeah, I got to fit that in there because you know a lot of people say loyalty, a lot of people say God fearing, a lot of people say you know a lot of things, but none of that means intelligence. Nope, it and, doesn't. And, and the thing about it is, I just, you don't have to have intelligence in your top three, but I just want to help you by listening to all these men in our conversations that you find the right tools that you need to sustain yourself subjectively. And I hope intelligence is in your top 20, at least. Well, well you heard from me, it's definitely in my top three. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Now I want to ask you a question I like asking all the guys because I love to see where this goes. I love to hear the story and how it goes because okay. mainly this question is about bringing awareness to what thing, uh, things I think we don't speak about enough in the male community. Okay. Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, the short answer to that question is yes, I did. Great. Um, uh, well, hold on, hold on. It's not, it, it wasn't great. Um, so <clears throat> I'm in this. I'm in the seventh grade of all times. First of all, I already knew what I needed to know up to that point, but it was before I was having my first official date. I'm using that term very loosely. Mm -hmm. So my dad sits me down and he says, "You know, you're you're going on your first date tonight. I want you to have fun, but don't get her pregnant." That is all he said. <laughs> that is the only time we ever talked about that subject ever. Yo, seriously, <laughs> I'm not even listen, making that up. John, listen, this is the problem I'm talking about in our community. Why do we really? not want to talk to our kids about sex? 
Like now, I talk to mine, but yes. But I'm talking about the in-depth talk. I know you have daughters, but let's just stay with the sons right now, because daughters are right. that's a totally different. I understand. No, we hey. did. We actually our talk wasn't one talk that I had with my son. It was several talks over the course of years. Absolutely. Because, because I tried early on to go a little bit deeper, and he wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and so, so I back, so I backed off. And as he became more ready for things, I started including other parts in there. Right. So eventually he parts. got what would be considered a whole talk, but we didn't do it all at one time. And actually it ended up being much better for him to do it that way. Well, friend to the show, Mr. Cam West, he said his parents prepared him by teaching him how to respect women first. That is the first caveat in learning how to That's respect a good yourself, right? So the, mm -hmm. the, it's not just the sex talk. And also Dr. Patton, uh, said uh, uh, people need to look at sex as education, right? As okay. science, science education. And maybe you can approach it in your mind that way that you're teaching them science education. I'm just worried about not addressing these natural things mm -hmm. that lead to a lot of people paying money to the government as far as child support, families being estranged, things happening because people are not ready for the happiness and joy that sex brings. It's like you get a taste of it and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I gotta have more of it, but there's no responsibility. There's no determining factor of teaching that said, hey, you know, this is great, but these things, you mindful of these things are very important. Like, you know, cause people are not gonna really, I, I know the Bible has information and instructions, but sometimes people don't receive education that way we have to really talk about these things and go deeper mm -hmm. on why what 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 the spiritual world says and what the physical world says like people make money off your mistakes sexually and diseases and all this other stuff and responsibilities sure. and then also spiritually what you're doing to yourself damaging yourself spiritually if you believe in those things we don't even have those discussions we do more talking after than we do preventive it's sort of like what people do right. with that's true so I want to encourage men to talk. I just want to encourage men to sit down and have this conversation. And like you said, that's a good uh, gem you drop. You can gradually have them. Because if you come in too early, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you come in too early, like uh, another friend to the show said, he, had, he sat down with his daughter to have a sex talk. I think she was about 12 or 13. And he okay. said he had a banana and he had a condom. And he told okay. her about a condom and a banana and he told her about sex. And he said, after all of that conversation he had, you know what she looked at him and said? Mm -mm. Dad, I was going to take that banana to school, but I don't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't all the way ready. She was just like, what? She wasn't ready. Yeah. But like you said, that one of the greatest gems is to can co go back and continue to have the conversation. Because many of my friends get the information from their peers, which they That's don't know anything. No, they don't. They think they do, but they don't. People talk about taking a little earwax and sticking your finger in there and all this other crazy stuff that you hear guys talk about. Or older men saying, did you jump off the porch yet? Did you stick your hot dog in that bun? You know, yeah. don't get her pregnant. You're going to be a man tonight. Like all these things that people say that are not good. It's not good information. We need to start yeah. running from this particular topic. I'm sorry. I didn't and mean it has absolutely nothing to do with being a man. I can tell you that. Absolutely nothing to do with absolutely. it. But but you, you brought up a good point a moment ago, and that was something that started way before I ever brought up the subject of sex with my son was how you treat a woman. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And that's why I insisted for years and he, he hated doing it. I know he did, but anytime I went anywhere with the kids, I made him open the car doors for his sisters every time. <laughs> made him hold the car door open, let them get in. Then he got in and then opened the door for them. Now he, he did, anytime we went out somewhere in public, he was always holding doors for people. He loved doing it. He was great at it. The car thing, it took him a long time to, to learn to be okay with it. And I kept telling him over and over again, because he would ask me, why do I have to keep doing this? And like, first of all, it respects your sisters. I said, and if you do it for your sisters, you will do it for any other woman you come in contact with. You know, I got a quick story I'm going to share with y'all. Growing up in New York City, we used to ride the train. And this one particular time, my oldest brother, Derek, was with me. And I haven't seen him in a while. He's, he's significantly older than me. He's about... I think he's about almost 15, 16 years older than me, right? So here I am, a young boy, about 15 years old. He might be early, late 20s, early 30s. And we're on the train, the train is packed, right? And when you get up at certain stops, people, you know, people get on and off. So when they got off, I was able to find a seat. So mm -hmm. the seat opened up and I sat down. He stood up over me. The train went to the next stop. A bunch of people got on the train. So it was a bunch of people sitting down, older men, blah, blah, blah. They're just relaxing. They're tired of standing. He looks at me and says, get up. I'm like, why? My, the ignorance in me, I'm saying, why? I'm, I'm 14, 15. I'm like, why? This lady needs to sit down. And then I look around and I see all the grown men who didn't have the integrity he was talking about. So I looked That's at right. him. I'm not getting up. You see all these men in here? I'm a kid. He was like, get up. That taught me so much about integrity. And to Your this brother day, was right. He was absolutely right. But yes. the funny thing about it is all these grown men who didn't have that knowledge, but him, he was standing already. Here's the scary part. You ready for the scary part of that? Many of them probably knew and chose not to do that. Absolutely. That's the scarier part of that. Absolutely. And that was a growth spurt for me because I had to get up. This lady sat down. I was happy she sat down, but I was inside. I was like, man, now I got to stand up. Mm. Well, right? Of course you were. Yeah, because yeah. I was a kid. And I didn't understand why. Now the he explained men... it to you, right? Yeah, of course. Now, I didn't understand why the men, I, what my problem was is the other men, the oh, yeah. other men let this young boy take the burden of giving up his seat. Yeah. And they didn't want to get up for the lady. But I oh, learned, yeah. and then years later, it happened to me. I made I made a young man get up that I knew for someone else and went through the same process. But I was just one of many. Train is filled with at least 100 people at a time if it's packed, maybe more, right? Mm -hmm. On the part of the train I was on, it was about 10 men who had a seat. Mm -hmm. so think about the, the the rationale of integrity at that moment where I was, what integrity right. was. I'm talking about one out of 11. Mm-hmm. Every one out, if you do the, the poll right there, every one out of 11 men have integrity at that moment where I was. That's scary. That's sad. Yeah. Absolutely. We talk about leaving a legacy, but we mostly ignore major steps. Do you have okay. a will? I do. Absolutely. This is great talk, right? Talk to me about why do you think culturally we run away from the talks of wills? Well, one of the reasons is because people don't want to think about their own mortality. That's that's a big one. They don't want to think about dying, let alone what happens after you die. Right. Um, 
whether you believe something does or not right now is not even the point but so people don't like to deal with their own mortality they don't like to think about the fact that someday they're going to die well first of all someday is not an actual day people you just need to know that it's not <laughs> and it it takes almost nothing do you know it takes less than a teaspoon of water to drown mm. so it doesn't take much to kill you i'm just saying it doesn't so being prepared remember getting yourself prepared for that is actually not for you it's for who comes after you it's for them said, that's yes. why you do it absolutely um, think things like life insurance again is not for you it's for people who come after you that's why you do it that's why i do it that's why i did it you know i i don't have a particularly complicated will but i do have one and so it's and i the will the whole purpose of the will for me is so that my kids don't have a, a whole lot more to deal with after i die because i've known way too many people who died without wills and it goes into probate and that is a nightmare, nightmare. To, to deal with stuff in probate you know and and people they get all worked up about the wrong stuff you know like who's supposed to get what and all this sort of thing you know this is a conversation i had with my mom actually about 10 years ago i told my mom it's like look I don't know how you're planning on dividing your stuff out when it comes to your will. I said, and I don't need to know that. I said, what I'm telling you is spend it all. I told her that for real. It's like, have fun, spend it all. So there's nothing left. I said, then there's nothing for anybody to fight over. It's like, I don't have any interest in fighting with any of my siblings and step siblings over any of my mom and stepdad stuff. I have no interest in that. Well, that has nothing to do with me as a person. So I talked to, um, Cameron Wesley Sr. He talks about how his cultural counterparts invest in putting life insurance on their parents and grandparents with their siblings. So when the passing, which is inevitable, which is a natural thing, once again, right. uh, mm -hmm. cur currently until we come up with some scientific stuff that might slow that down, you never know what's going to happen in this world. But <laughs> but they put invest. They do pay for life insurance where the passing of a mother or a grandmother in their family, they become a patriarch for securing the lineage they're able to pay for the funeral as well as leave hundreds yes. of, thousands of dollars on the table and a lot of people don't look at it as an investment they look at it as putting money over your head they're like oh you're gonna wait for me to die but no it's actually i think if you sat down with your parents or, or your grandparents or people in general and you said to them hey i'm gonna take a life insurance policy out on you so we can invest and have this when you leave i think they'll be receptive to it and really go for it yeah absolutely i mean that's that's the reasons that, that I have life insurance is to make sure my, if something happens to me, you know, my kids have something, they're not going to get a lot, but they're going to get something. And any, any debts that I may have, you know, including, you know, funeral costs and that sort of thing, where it, it will pay for all that stuff. Absolutely. So many people get left with debt, that debt, get a will, don't leave a bill. That's what I like to say. There you go. <laughs> as a husband now this is another subjective question we are winding down we're coming to the end but i love to ask people this question and as a husband i'm putting you back in your husband chair for a little while okay would you rather have a great woman or a great wife interesting I'm not sure i really thought about it that way before um 
I'm going to say a great woman, and here's why. A great woman can learn to be a great wife. But a great wife, I'm not sure a great wife can be taught to be a great woman. Because you, generally speaking, Speak. a female, a female, no wrong answer. No a wrong female answer. is a woman long before she becomes a wife. Mm -hmm. And so I would rather have someone who has developed and become a fantastic woman and learns how to become a great wife. Absolutely. I appreciate your answer. Like I said, the many men I've interviewed, they give both sides of the fence and they explain it. And it's all about what is subjectively of what you need. And I think that was a great answer, sir. Absolutely. Now, validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. Mm -hmm. Mr. John, I asked you this question. Do you defend the title? Now, I asked this question because you're the man of Formula 6. So Formula 6 is all about defending the title. Are you doing the are you becoming the best version of yourself every day to make sure she's the guy that elevates with you, that loves you. She looks at you and says, I can't believe this is with me. This is he's winning championships every season. Are you defending oh, yeah. the title? I am. That's something I work on all the time. It's it's <laughs> I'm never done with those six areas. Um every single day, one of them crops up and I'm like, okay, this is what I need to be paying attention to right now. So yes, yeah, it's, it, it's constantly, it, it does not stop. I'm constantly, um, I'm morphing. I'm becoming who I was created to be. And I'm getting closer and closer to that all the time. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny that you have formula six because I came up with something called operating at 100%. And I love for okay. you to hear it today. Operating Great. at 100%. I took five categories. I broke them down into 20% each. It is purpose, mm. health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Again, that's purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose meaning you're living your purpose, working hard toward being the person you need to be. Health is that you're working out, praying, meditating, and eating right. Confidence, you're doing it. Confidence, no fear, intimidation, or any insecurities. Money, you made a little money today, saved a little money, invested a little money, gave to a charity, and knowledge, you took in some new information that grew you. So I ask you, John, within the last 24 hours, out of purpose, mm -hmm. health, confidence, money, and knowledge, how much of 100% have you been operating out of? Ooh, that's good. Um, <laughs> let's see. I would say in the last 24 hours, based on all the things you just described, those five areas, I, I'm at a 90% rate. What are you missing, John? I I didn't get my workout in yesterday. That's uh, part of it. That, that's yeah. a that was a big one for me, honestly. That's a big one. That's why, but but I I I felt bad about it for part of the day yesterday. I slept on it. I'm over that now. And so in order to overcome that, yes, I I already have it set on my calendar for later today to do my workout. Absolutely. So I'm gonna going to get my workout in later and and the thing i remind myself is any movement is better than no movement so five minutes is better than zero minutes right so friends of the show jermaine scott said you can rest but you cannot quit yes i agree with that 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. yes. There's so many men that operate on the same frequency. This show's about frequency. It's about where you are success-wise, where you're trying to be the best versions of yourself. And if you don't know how to do it, here are some men who are trying to climb that mountain right now and we're learning from each other on how to get to the next level. Because after you get to the top, there's another mountain to climb. But you have oh, to absolutely. reassure yourself and there's other people who've been to these mountains or on the way or we all need help and assistance. I want to ask you one more thing before you go today. Okay. I love talking to you and it's so many things that made me smile and laugh. I need to know who your favorite comedian of all time is. It seems like you like comedy. Gosh, I, I do. I do. Oh my gosh, man. I like so many of them. It's really hard for me to narrow it well, down. Well, now, well just okay. I, how about this? How about I give you an old school comedian that I like and somebody who's newer that I like? Great. How about that? Okay. That way we cover potentially both sides of your audience, an older side and a younger side. Um, so an older comedian that I really like, give me top, give me three old and three new. How about that? This okay. Way I'll, I'll, I'll try. All right. So three older ones that I liked, um, you know, I, I, it sounds bad to admit this to myself, but I'm going to admit it anyway. I liked Eddie Murphy's stand-up stuff. He was oh, hilarious. Yeah. Oh was my awesome. God. Awesome. Awesome. Delirious. And I realized many people are not going to appreciate what I'm about to say because of things that he did. But as a comedian, Bill Cosby was very funny. Uh, Bill Cosby's awesome. Period. He was very thought, funny. Look, some men, some men fall and do some crazy things. We all do. Yeah. And yeah. he is paying. What he did was wrong. There's no debt. doubt about that. He's paying for his societal debt. My heart goes yes, out he to is. all the people and victimizations. But there was also another side that we does not disclaim of how much uplifting he has done for all communities as well. So we're gonna right. we're gonna give him. He has accountability on his bad side, but there's also accountability on his good side. You can't take either one away. So we're just gonna. Acknowledge there's, there's there's a guy you may not know, and some of the audience may not know him. He's actually passed away now. His name is Kevin Meany. Loved his stand-up stuff. Wow. So I mean, if you look him up on YouTube, oh my gosh. He had an HBO special back in like the late 80s, early 90s. Hilarious. Yes. Yeah. M-E-A-N-E-Y. Oh my gosh. He was so funny. Um, some newer ones that I like. One of my favorites. Anytime she does stuff, I listen to her. her name's Angela Johnson. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's spelled, it's spelled with A N J. A N J E L A H. Angela Johnson is her name. Angela She's Johnson. actually Latina. She's from Mex her family's from Mexico, but she's <clears throat> hilarious. Oh my gosh, she's so funny. Um, let's see. Trying to think of some other newer comedians that I like. Um, oh shoot, shoot, what is his name? Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer is funny. Jim Brewer. Oh my gosh. Jim is very funny. I mean, I, I, I have to mention this bit because every time I see it, I laugh and it gets me excited every time when he does the, um, he was, he was a big Metallica fan, mm -hmm. huge Metallica fan. So when he does that bit about, um, you know, metal bands doing, um, nursery rhymes, I oh my gosh he doesn't like metallica doing one like acdc doing another one when he does his impression of acdc oh my gosh that's good huh? he is so good at it it's that's it's, it's really it i want to check out jim brewer he's jim brewer is very fun so th those are two of the the newer ones that i that i like yeah I, I i'm a fan of comedians too i like all pretty much all comics people that come to my mind of course is the eddie murphy's the george carlin's the bernie Macs, the robin harris's yeah. Those guys like that. And 
and you know it's just so many and dave chappelle of course dave chappelle but there's so many great comedians out there and i appreciate that i can tell in your character that you enjoy having a good laugh here and there i oh i do i do absolutely Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. And just to mm. let you know that we had an interview person who referred you before you interviewed, but I already told them that we already have John Hewlin coming on the show. So now we need a referral from you, sir, that you think will come to answer these questions in manhood. Oh. Excellent. Um, let me think of who I could recommend for you to have on the show. You know, a friend of mine named Andre Young. Andre, Andre Young. Andre is amazing. He was he was a therapist for years. Has since become a, <clears throat> an executive speaker and coach. Uh, he's written a couple different books. Actually, his newest book on leadership just came out in December. Absolutely. So, go so yeah, book on leadership, ladies and gentlemen, from Andre Young. Yes. Now, before you go, Mr. John, is there anything you'd like to say to the people? Plug your podcast, plug anything you'd like people to follow you. If they want to know about Formula 6 or know about anything you're doing, please let us know. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, again, the name of my podcast is Relationships and Revenue. So wherever you consume podcasts, I guarantee you my show is there. Hey. Um, if you're looking to connect with me on social media, you can just find me at John Hewlin. That's H-U-L-E-N. Uh, that's what I am on everything. So if you look for me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, I am on Clubhouse as well. Hey. So you can reach out to me there. Um, let's see. Uh, I would, I'm not going to mention the name of my website yet because it's in the process of being redone right now. So it's down. So I don't want anybody to go there and like, uh, there's nothing there. So, <laughs> so I'm working on that. Um, you know, if any of the stuff that you heard here, like the F6 formula, anything else is intriguing to you, you want to learn more about it. You know, I, there are ways that you can connect with me, you know, send me a DM, direct message me. I respond to everyone that comes in, you know, and we can have a, a free 30 minute coaching call where we can talk some more and who knows, I may be the person that you want to work with and that's great, but I can guarantee you this. If I think we're not a match, I will point you in the right direction to somebody who I think can help you because that's how I roll. For me, it's not about money. It's about serving and helping people. Absolutely. Being a man of service. For those listening to me, to those listening to the show today, you can reach me at solutionsformen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show. Also at Shame One on all platforms. Let's continue this conversation on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, or in the street if you see me. I'd like to thank Mr. John Hewlin for coming on the show today and dropping those gems. We end today's show with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done. True success is not a measure by how much you have accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So I ask you, question of the day, question of your life. Are you maximizing your life? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solutions.